to another cop church. Hey, you got Adam again tonight, of course. Let's start this off with a prayer. I didn't do that last week, and I realized it after I was uh, editing, editing the video, so let's start right this week, huh? Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. Lord, help me to convey it properly and uh, to stay out of your way when necessary, Lord. Thank you for the listener. And we pray that, uh, that they are blessed by your word and that they receive truth tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you were with me last week, you probably remember that I, I kind of dropped a little hand, not so subtly. Uh, I want to talk about what you believe. It's very important that you think about what it is that you truly believe because truth, by definition, is objective. Okay, there's no, there's no subjective truth, even though people would like us to think that there is, especially nowadays when everybody wants to have their own truth, my truth, right? That's, that's not a thing. That's totally false. Truth, by definition, by its very nature, is objective. There's no such thing as one person's truth versus another person's truth, okay? Truth is truth. In fact, this book that I'm holding in my hand right here, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we turn to this when we want to know truth. And so if what you, you hold as your core beliefs doesn't line up with biblical truth, it's not going to get you where you need to go. And by that, to put it very simply, it's not going to get you to heaven. And when the, the Word of God doesn't align with what I believe, it's because what I believe is wrong. And I understand that today, especially, now, obviously, I only have history books, um, documentaries, and things like that to understand the past, the, the past with a T in there. Uh, so I can't really speak for everything in the past, but I think given what I have seen in history books, I think that today we're in a lot funkier of a place as far as truth goes. Winston Churchill, I believe it was, said something to the effect of that, that truth is so vital and it's so powerful that it's often safeguarded by bodyguard of lies. And I butchered that quote, but it holds true. And so we have a hard time, I, I have a hard time today trusting what I read in the news, what I see in the news on TV and social media, because there's so much there's so much that's false. There's so many lies that are that are actually safeguarding that truth. And so it puts us in a really weird place. What is truth? What do I believe? What can I believe? Well I'll tell you what, this this word right here has held true for generations. It's held true since it, since the very beginning. In fact, you can look back at the Dead Sea Scrolls and it is so close to what we actually read today that it proves its authenticity. Now, what what may be different is is um, it doesn't hold any weight. Okay, so it would it would be like having the word also instead of two or as well, right? So the, the differences are so minute 
that it doesn't change the overall plot, the overall message, anything like that. Okay, so we can know that this word is true and it's accurate just as it was 2,000 plus years ago. So uh, when I when I talk about what we believe, it's very important that we believe what is the true gospel. That's really at the core of what we should be believing. And here's why it's important. And here's why it's important to a say a police officer. Okay, this is cop church, right? So why is this important to a police officer? Well. If, if I'm a cop and I'm going to work, I need to know a few things, right? I need to know, number one, that I can trust my own skill set. I need to know that I can trust the skill set of someone who I work with. Okay, now me personally, I, I have a, a, a handful of, of core people that I trust to have my back when the time comes, when it's necessary. And we need to have that ability to trust what's in this word. We need to know that what is true is what we believe. Okay, we need to believe what is true. Because if we're believing a lie, it's going to set us up for failure. Just like it will set us up for failure on the job. If I think that I can trust my, say, my backup or my partner, but it's not actually somebody who's trustworthy, uh, it's going to get us into a lot of trouble when the time comes for that necessity, right? When we when we actually need that cover and somebody shows up and they have no idea what they're doing, you know, they get uh, vapor lock or maybe they, they have no physical conditioning or something like that and they're unable to help me. In fact, they maybe even get in the way. That That's not a good feeling. And so we need to know that this word right here is trustworthy and I can tell you from experience this word right here is trustworthy and it's believable yes it does take some faith okay but but you can look in this book and through faith of course there's so much truth in here and such a solid foundation for life that I can come back to this book day in and day out and know that it's trustworthy and this book is trustworthy for a reason, and we're going to get to that here in just a second. But first, I don't want to make this too long, so let's start with what is basically the first person to talk about the gospel, uh, the spirit, after Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, Because it was after Jesus rose from the dead that everything was confirmed. Right? He could say... He could say all these things. He could talk about how he would have to die for all of us, how you know, uh, destroy this temple in three days, I'll rebuild it. He he can say all that stuff, but until the resurrection occurred, until he actually rose from the dead, they were all just words, and so there was no proof up until that point. But as soon as he rose from the dead and revealed himself to 500 plus people, the word says, then it was proof. Then we have actual tangible proof and Paul says that without the resurrection our, our faith is in vain so that resurrection that truth is absolutely vital okay so let's let's get back to Peter here okay Peter is the first one that actually shares after uh, after Jesus rose from the dead okay so they they're up in this uh, upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit just as Jesus told them to they received the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in tongues. All these people gather around and are wondering what in the world is going on because they hear 
the gospel being preached in their own language, and it's many languages, right? And so they gather around and wonder what in the world is going on. And Peter, of course, Peter, right? He's the one that kicks the whole thing off. So I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 2, verse 22, and we'll go to about 36. I know that's a bit, but uh, I'm going to try and talk fast for you, which is not my norm. He said, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God threw him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, and I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence." Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of, of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he, him, he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So in this, Peter goes all the way back to the time of David, right? He pulls from the Psalms, and he shows that David, a prophet, he talked about this one who would come from his lineage, right? From his line, who would not see corruption, who would not see decay. And he points out that even though these are the words of David, David died, and his body saw decay. And so he wasn't speaking of himself, but he was speaking of someone greater than himself, someone who would come from his line. As we can see in Matthew and I think Luke, both point out to the lineage of Jesus being in that of David's line. So we have Peter pointing back to prophecy. We have Peter pointing to the fact that Jesus was crucified by some of these people that he was actually speaking to. And then we have, have Peter even pointing out that he, these people witnessed Jesus being raised from the dead or having been raised from the dead. And so Jesus, or sorry, Peter is in this unique position where he can say, I saw these things. Peter, who was one of the first people who, who was called by Jesus, who followed Jesus for these three-some years, who, who uh, denied Jesus when Jesus was, was being tried and then hung on a cross ultimately. And then Peter, who saw him, one of the first two men, to see Jesus having been raised from the dead. These are all things that Jesus speaks of 
as a witness, right? If we go to the if we go to a court, there's no hearsay, right? I if if it's actually a criminal trial, I can't go in and and speak to what you know John Smith told me. I have to speak to what I have seen. And here Peter does just that. And there's many more to follow. And this whole group in the upper room who have seen Jesus risen from the dead, they testify to what they have seen. It's amazing. And there's so many testimonies regarding the the risen Jesus, the risen Christ, first-hand witnesses, that to me, that's undeniable. Now, even more important than what I believe is something that, that Paul says in his uh, second letter to Timothy. And it's in, in chapter 1, verse 12. Paul says, For this reason I, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. So just like you and I go to work, we may, we, may, we may trust another with our lives. Okay, so in a way we're committing our lives to those around us saying, I trust you that you're going to make sure that I go home at night. That's, of course, on top of my own skill, my own determination, whatever, right? But what Paul is saying here is I trust the one that I have committed my spirit to. I know whom I have trusted. I can read all about some of these guys that I work with, right? I could, I could read a book if one existed, you know? I could read their whatever journal or whatever they may have. But unless I know them, unless I know that I can trust them, unless I know whom I trust, it does me no good. Okay? Now, the neat thing about this book right here is that John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's describing Jesus. So this Word right here is Jesus, right? This is His Word. So we can trust it also. But more importantly, I know whom I can trust. I know to whom I can commit my future to, my spirit to. And regardless of what other people think, that's where I'm going to commit my spirit to. That's where I'm going to commit my life to. Because it's worth it. That's why it's so important to know the truth, what you believe, and to make sure that the two are one. We need to know that I believe what is true. Because if I believe a lie, it's going to be damaging. No good has ever come from believing a lie. And if I don't believe this truth, then it's it's me choosing to believe the lie, and it's going to keep me separated from Christ. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us together today. Thank you for the honor that it is to share your word, to share your truth, which is objective. Thank you that we can trust your word when 99% of everything else 
is untrustworthy. Lord, I pray for the listener that they would they would be blessed by you, that they would receive truth, and that they they would receive biblical truth because it's at the foundation of everything. And Lord, if there is one who doesn't know, if they don't understand, if they're not sure about this truth, Father, please show them mercy and grace and reveal to them just how true this is, just how trustworthy you are so that they will know whom they have believed. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, folks. I am hoping in our podcast to bring you some, just a list of a, a handful of headlines to show you why, why we're uh, living in the end days and why that should be an encouragement to you and not, not something to scare you. So hopefully that'll be uh, something I can get put together here pretty soon. Anyway, reach out to us if you have questions, comments, prayer requests, anything like that, thinlinebelievers at gmail.com. You can uh, DM us, I guess is the term, uh, direct message us on Instagram. Um, don't, probably shouldn't do Facebook. I, I am never on there. Uh, otherwise, that's how you get a hold of us. All right. God bless. Take care.